double down trend. You might want to tune in. Talking gambling and sports. Predicting who might win. Pop culture to movies. Let's start up the combo. Ryan and Aaron. Man versus the motto. Keep it authentic and it's always live. So competitive. So you know it's always hype. Make sure you subscribe. Trust you don't want to miss. Going all in here on Double Down Trent. Hey, yeah. Double Down Trent. Let's go. All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies talk sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Aaron, and I'm once again hosting the podcast tonight with our mis- uh, esteemed typical host, Ryan, out on baby duty. Best uh, you know, best blessings to him and Ellie. All right, I'm joined tonight by my two buddies. Steve Coulter, our NFL insider, is joining us as well as Will Hughes. Uh, Philly fan, or I guess I should say Patriots fan in Philly, like Ryan likes to say. Um, I want to get right into it tonight, guys. Uh, We are closing the books on week two. We are heading into week three. A lot to talk about. What were your takeaways? Coulter, I would love to start with you. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest takeaways for me for the first two weeks this season is that there's a lot of value here on the underdogs. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to uh, see that the dogs have been barking, um, both on the money line and on the spread. Um, you know, I think the one thing that I think I learned from last week's games is that you can't really go into a situation where you have a team like Tennessee on the road and think just because Seattle's at home for the first time in a year with crowd that they deserve a five and a half. Uh, you got a Tennessee team that's desperate um, and, and traveling is not as, as big of a deal as it used to be. Um, and then you mix in the overreaction from week one and Tennessee was a team that was kind of primed for, uh, I thought, you know, had some good value. One that I missed, you know, I had a good week myself, but uh, just uh, that was one that I took away from. And then same thing with Vegas against Pittsburgh, you're, you're traveling short week, all those other things that you kind of, Bacon to handicaps in the past doesn't really matter as much. The travel in 2021 isn't as rigorous as it is or as it used to be viewed. So, again, another five and a half line where I thought there was some value. And that was a sure nice crossfire that you guys had there with Casale last week where he was taking those Pittsburgh Steelers minus five and a half. And you and Hughes said, uh, not so fast, my friend. Hughes, what are you uh, taking away from week two? Yeah, I think, again, I think Vegas got us with a few square picks that people probably pounded a bunch of money into, Pittsburgh being one of them. Uh, you know, a little bit of an overreaction to their week one. It does look like Big Ben's a little bit banged up. But I think Vegas sharpened their pencil a little bit week two. I, but, again, I do think, you know, the underdog story has been so compelling that it's like that's what everybody wants. I mean, I think, you know, the the better wants to be able to uh, – you know, have a little faith in their the underdogs, whether that's their team or whether that's a team they can get a little bit, um, you know, of value on because they they can you know lay some points. But at the same time, I think some of the cream of the crop also showed up pretty clearly. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Not that the Falcons are any good, but again, like to take care of business in the way that they did. Um, the the defense bounced back, obviously scored a couple of touchdowns. So again, I think I think it was one of those weeks where we saw that like okay, like you know. There are some teams that I think looked a little bit down in week one that are certainly um, certainly back in the conversation, whether it's uh, in the division playoffs. You know, it's still so early um, But I'm interested to see whether or not we overreact to week two. Oh, I, I have no doubt that we will. Um, you guys have mentioned it a couple of times already. One of the shockers to me has been those Las Vegas Raiders. Derek Carr having an MVP like season so far, which is just insane. I'm looking at the stats right now. 
He has 817 yard passing yards. The second place behind him is all the way back at 680. Both Kyler Murley and Patrick Mahomes are, are right there. Um, Derek Carr, just in the first two games, four touchdowns, one interception, a 67% completion percentage. Do you feel like that uh, type of performance is going to be the new norm for him? Do you feel like it's high variance first two weeks? What do you expect from him here in the next couple of weeks? I think you have to uh, think that, you know, obviously 400 plus yards every week is ridiculous. That's not going to happen. But I think the expectation is, is that this is a team that can't really run the ball efficiently. And so they have to be, they go on Derek Car- Carr's arm, very similar to a Buffalo last year. And so I, is the question, can Derek Carr be Josh Allen from last year? Yeah, I think he can. He's a veteran quarterback. I think he can sling it. And I think with Darren Waller, um, you know, I've been comparing him to friends as a Calvin Johnson. When you have a Calvin Johnson on your team, he creates openings for other people. And you've noticed that with Hunter Refro, um stepping up. Other guys get open when you have that good of a player. And so I think that helps Carr as long as Waller is healthy. I think the offense, in, in terms of its pass offense capabilities, uh, remain pretty high. And uh, I think from a gambling standpoint, which is why we're here, I think the lesson to be learned here is at the beginning of every season, take the bottom two teams in every division, look at their first two or three games and envision a scenario where they can go two and zero, and, you know, go check their quarterback's odds. Cause it's like, if you just had looked at the Raiders long and hard enough, you would have been like, why is Derek Carr 125 to one? Because it really is as simple as beat the Ravens uh, with a short spread week one, injured Ravens team, and then go on the road. And again, nobody saw them beating the Steelers. But now that he's in this situation, he's gone from 125 to one to 20 to one and some spots, 15 to one. So uh, all the value has been sucked up in two quick games. So that's a a lesson for next year is to kind of bake that one out in your head uh, ahead of time. If you were looking for value is grab somebody like a Derek Carr on a bad team with two high upside games. They weren't plus seven spreads too. I think we already identified plus five and a half last week. The first one I think was four and a half closed at three and a half. So I've, I've liked what the Raiders have, have looked into uh, from a gambling standpoint and how they've covered. Uh, and one final note too is Steelers, uh, the one game that they played other than the Raiders, they beat the hell out of the Buffalo Bills at, uh, at Buffalo. And the one game the Ravens played non um Oh, uh, Vegas was beating uh, up on Kansas City last week. So this is a, a Raiders team that has to be taken seriously because their uh, opponents have really beaten the cream of the crop uh, when it comes to the AFC. So the Raiders are for real. Yeah, and, I, and so not to say that I'm going to disagree with that, but the shoe's on the other foot this week. And so this is one of those swing moments with a lot of NFL teams. It's 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 hard to be the favorite. It just is. Like when you're – when people are looking at you, they're a three-and-a-half-point favorite. They are getting a Miami team that obviously doesn't have Tua Tungabailoa, so it's going to be a little bit of an interesting experience. That might help them out. I don't know. They're going to, Hopefully, they'll stick to running the ball and playing defense like they normally do. Um, but at the same time, I think this is where – are we going to see the same Derek Carr, the underdog kind of like approach where he's spreading it around, he's making everybody around him better – or do we start to see a guy who maybe is reading a few of the headlines? And I think that that'll be the interesting thing. I think I really like Carr. I think he can do it. I, I think it's a compelling MVP, you know, argument, but again, like in the NFL, it's not necessarily hard to have two good games. 
it is hard to have that go the entire season, especially once people start to expect it from you and people start to take you seriously. I don't want to say that the first two opponents didn't take them seriously by any stretch because they obviously did. It's the first two weeks of the season. But at the same time, it's going to be a little bit different in the coming weeks if they continue to win and he continues to play well. Plus, he did get a little banged up last week, and their team is a little bit banged up. So um, they're going to need to stay healthy in order for this to happen. I mean, obviously, that's you know very uh, easy take on my part. But he did look like he got rolled up ankle, I think, uh, maybe a knee. So well, it'd be interesting to, to monitor that side of it. I, I totally agree with that sentiment. And it immediately gets my mental juices flowing to say, how can I take advantage of the Raiders' momentum and look contrarian. So, like, I just have the AFC West odds to win the division pulled up right now. No surprise, the Chiefs are in uh, in first as a heavy favorite at minus 200. Broncos are in second, plus 475. Raiders are in third at plus 750. And the Chargers are in fourth at plus 800. 800 translates to right around 11% uh, implied probability. I'm looking at the Chargers to say, do I think they have a better uh, chance of winning the division than 11%? Hell yeah, I do. That would be something that I would be thinking about betting, knowing that it's very likely going to be something that the the Broncos and Raiders fade as the season goes along, and you're more likely going to see the Chiefs pull away. But maybe there's a possibility the Chargers can stick around. Yeah, I would. I would, uh, Mr. Model. I would. I. I don't know. Uh, and this is actually an interesting math question, but the better play, I, I would think. And I'm again, I'm not a banker or a finance guy is actually just take Charter's money line this weekend if you like them so badly, because uh, they are going to fall into a two game division hole if they lose this weekend against the Chiefs, because I think the probability is that the Raiders and Broncos, one of those two teams, if not both, are going to be three and oh. And so the Chargers are going to be looking at a two game hole entering week four. Um, which I do not like personally. I, I get what you're saying is that they have more talent than Oakland or Vegas, but Vegas goes and plays them next week. All it takes is Vegas to beat that team. And all of a sudden, uh, let's say Vegas is three and one and the Chargers are one and three. And then you've got to deal, but you've got to factor in the Broncos and the Chiefs on top of that. So uh, I would, I would caution restraint to our listeners on that one. But if you do like the Chargers, maybe take them on the money line for a quick return rather than wait out that, uh, what were you saying? Was it four to one on the odds? Uh, eight, to eight one. to one. Oh, eight to one. I mean, that's good value, I guess. But I mean, the money line's three to one this week. I feel like I don't know. I'm you have seeing, to wait a you have to wait a while for that to cash. To, I think that's spot on. I think that's smart. Yeah, I'm seeing plus two sixty four for the Chargers money line right now against the Chiefs. They have a tough schedule too after that Raiders game. Browns, Ravens, Patriots uh, at Philly across country. Um, you know, it, it also has to be said, I agree with what Hughes was saying, that this is a tough spot for Vegas now that they're the favorite. But I haven't heard this be mentioned. Dolphins are going cross country in the opposite way. And I know I just I bemoaned the fact that the cross country trip might not be as big of a factor as it used to be. But like, I do think there is some sort of advantage with uh, Vegas. And I actually don't think the Miami fans are going to impact that that game as much as, uh, say, like a Chicago or even Baltimore in the week one. So I think they, I think Vegas actually has a home field advantage this week against Miami, uh, which is a rarity for them because usually they're going to have a lot of home field, uh, a lot of away fans come in for, uh, to Sin City. Anything else on week two, the week that was before we move on to reviewing our picks and moving on to some things we're looking for in week three? 
I'm ready to rock. Week two, I saw the board pretty clearly. Week three, I'll be honest with you, I'm not seeing things as uh, as clearly as I wanted to, um, but did find two. I have three picks, and I have two that I like. So, yeah, I'm, I've, I've come to terms with uh, it won't be my favorite week of the year, but there's some good ones. Let's uh, let's shake those cobwebs off, Coulter, and get you uh, queued up, and we'll, we'll lock you in here shortly. All right, so to review the, the picks from week two, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. So uh, for the best of us, uh, Coulter and I both went 2-0. and Coulter, you picked uh, San Francisco minus 3.5 and Carolina plus 3.5. Those were both winners. I had taken Denver minus 6 and Tennessee plus 5.5. Those were also some nice winners. Um, Hughes and Kaz both went 0-2. Uh, Hughes took Arizona minus 3.5 and, and Rams minus 4.5. Kaz also took the Rams and lost with Pittsburgh minus five and a half. Let's see some rebounds this week from you, Hughes. You ready for that? Yeah. Oh, of course. And I will say, you know, I, I it, that was another week two takeaway is Matt Stafford's Matt Stafford. I don't care what anybody says. This guy plays to be mediocre. I'm not saying he's not going to have a great year. I'm not saying he's not going to light it up. But, God, can we put some points on the board? Like, what is the problem? Like, what is his mental, like, inability to score touchdowns? I, I just – I couldn't figure it out at the same time that Rams team, you know, I think they're going to be in a lot more close games. They're not a blowout team. I don't think that they're going to be a blowout team. I think Colter, you may have said that in the preseason, like or, or early in week one, um, they, they just, their offense is just not like beat you up. They're just going to kind of, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts and their defense is not as good as it's been in the past. But that being said, I still think they're nice. Um, but that game killed me in terms of that, not covering. You'll, I was going to say not to hop Killed in me. front of Mr. Model here, but I, I, I agree with what you just said about their defense. You're going to see Tom Brady go up and down the field on them. They've allowed yeah. Dalton and Wentz to look like pro bowlers against them. I think that defense is actually highly overrated, uh, and they've got things to really be concerned about with Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson in that division. And quite frankly, the, the only reason why the Rams should be feeling comfortable is that Trey Lance hasn't emerged either because they could have three potential young gun, mobile, big-armed, uh, dangerous quarterbacks going against that defense that can't even stop or control uh, Carson Wentz or Andy Dalton. So, yeah, I think uh, the thing about Stafford uh, that Hughes that you didn't touch on is maybe did, did he know at all that the Los Angeles was the most bet side of the day? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I can think of. It, yeah, it's a huge square pick. You want to talk about square picks. He didn't want to cover the spread because he knew that he knew that 75% of the public was on the three and a half. <laughs> yeah, that, that, there, there's a great example of if people want to know a square pick right there was the Rams. Like, it's just like dumb in front of you. You're like, wow, what, why is this line like this? This is such an easy win. This is going to be so easy. And then, boom, there you go. You get you, you win gambling is hard. Game. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's that's the tough thing. And that's why I was kind of making fun of Kaz about the Pittsburgh pick because that was the same one to me. Because, you know, it's like it's oh, five and a half under a touchdown Steelers at rolling the bills against the Raiders. They can't be for real square pick but doesn't always work. Well, one of the things I'm starting to look forward to for this coming week is the number of rookie quarterbacks that are, that are going to be starting a game. We have two new ones coming. We have Davis Mills playing right now for Houston, and we have Justin Fields starting for those lovely Chicago Bears, uh, among the other guys who have started throughout the year. That's going to be really fascinating to see how they do, how they take in the bright lights, what are you guys thinking in terms of uh, rookie quarterbacks? Is there anything that you're excited to see? Uh, maybe it's with those New York Jets or maybe with something else. 
let me take a first crack at this one because I want everybody to know that there's a rookie quarterback playing for a team in the AFC East that is not a rookie quarterback. This man is a veteran. I will tell you, Mac Jones is for real people. I know this is a biased take. I'm trying to wait for the rest of the season. But I'm telling you, like, if you watched that game last week against the Jets, there was a rookie quarterback on the field, and then there was a guy who knew exactly what he needed to do to not lose the game and to do exactly what that is. I'm telling you, I've got a take on whether or not we're seeing the rebirth of what the Patriots were back when Tom Brady first won a Super Bowl against the Rams when the Rams were the greatest show on turf and whether we might be headed for a boring tapioca Patriots team to like break everybody's heart and ruin like some sort of like narrative about a rematch between Brady and Mahomes and end up getting a Bucks Pat Super Bowl. But again, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but yes, I'm very excited about the rookie quarterbacks. Coulter, do you have any opinion on Mac Jones and other rookie quarterbacks? I mean, I didn't know we had Bill Simmons doing a podcast calling for a uh, Bucks and Patriots Super Bowl. But, uh, no, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear uh, to the naked eye, and I'm not trying to besmirch Jones or anything, but Jones is the best rookie quarterback through two weeks, and I don't think that says much. But um, it is interesting. He went fifth of fifth, uh, five of five of the first rounders, and he's the best of them so far. So, um, I, I think that's pretty clear, pretty clean cut. Um, I do think he has a test in head of him this week with the Saints. They're going to be desperate because uh, speaking of those bucks, they know they can't fall behind uh, in that divisional race and they're going to come hungry. And they, I think they know probably inherently that Jameis Winston's not going to be the one that's carrying them this week. So that defense will p- play pretty tight. And I imagine that that uh, Patriots game is going to look pretty pretty similar to how their first game looked against the Dolphins, where uh, they'll probably move the ball up and down the field pretty comfortable, but the Saints will muck it up and it'll be pretty close. So uh, I know we weren't really talking spread there, but I do think that uh, that will be a generally a close game. And and yeah, I'm a Mac Jones believer through two weeks, but I do want to see it against uh, you know Sean Payton and uh, Allen over there, the DC against the Saints. I think that'll that'll be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. I think that state's secondary is actually pretty potent. I think this would be a really good test for Mac Jones. I will admit earlier today I took New Orleans Saints money line on that uh, Patriots game, so I will be rooting hard for those New Orleans Saints. I, I don't want to I don't want to crossfire Hughes here, but I I like that you, what you just said about the money line and the way I paint it out in my head. And this is going to sound really counterintuitive because it's the biggest game of the year. But like, let me just pitch why I think that it makes sense the Patriots and Bucks somehow both lose this week because week four Bucks at Patriots is the Super Bowl of the regular season. Uh, and it's the only time in NFL history ever uh, when our sons and our daughters are older, this will be the only time ever that there'll be a Super Bowl opportunity where both teams can enter the Super Bowl as losers. And I think that creates actually more drama than them being winners because a one and two Patriots team going up and having their season on the line against Tom Brady and a two and one bucks team who could potentially be losing their second game in a row in new England uh, after proving themselves as world beaters just last January. I think that's high theater personally. So I love a little Ram saints. It's not sexy. I actually like both new England and um, Tampa in our pool, but I, when I map it out of my head, I, for some reason I look at this like mini week four super bowl and I just love the intrigue of both teams losing straight up. Um, so, yeah, I like that pick at the Saints money line, although I'm going to go with the, uh, the Patriots in our pool. I would recommend like a $10 pizza bet to our listeners on Rams Saints because I do think there, there's a chance that both Bucks and the Patriots 
Uh, I know they're saying they're not looking ahead to the Super Bowl in week four, but it's you're human. It's human nature. Belichick and Brady are looking ahead to this game. This is like the biggest game either of them have played, uh, you know, other than an actual Super Bowl. So uh, I, do, I do think it's just inherently that they're going to be looking ahead a little bit to that game. So I do yeah, like I the Saints money line. I can see that. I can see that. I think Hughes is already looking forward to that game. No, I mean, I, I, I've, I've not, I've locked that game from my memory as, as I'm talking about them playing in the Super Bowl. I mean, because I can't, I can't necessarily start to emotionally prepare for what this is going to be like. And I don't mean that in like some, one of those weird, like, you know, like crazy type of ways, but like, I mean, it's going to be insane that the razor is going to be shaking. I don't know what they're going to do for Tom. I got to imagine they're going to do some very elegant tribute to him. So obviously there's going to be some misty eyes at the beginning. Um, And then it's going to be, you know, let's get down to business. And I'm telling you, this matchup feels to me a lot like that matchup that they had against the Rams when Brady was coming out and they just needed to do what they, you know, don't turn the ball over. Don't get fancy play good defense and let the, let the game play out as, as you want it to and let the other team kind of come to you. And I, I mean, I'm excited for it. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. And if you look at the Bucks first two games, I mean, what a microcosm to your point there, Hughes, it's like, you know, obviously Dallas didn't beat them week one, but they shot themselves in the foot a ton. And if they do that against uh, new England in week four, not to make this about the week four new England, Bucks game, but like if Tampa Bay is turning the ball over all over the yard and Mac Jones plays a clean game, New England is going to win that game. But conversely, you know, uh, Tampa was the one creating turnovers last week and they're the ones that actually gained separation and uh, gained margin on Atlanta late in that game. And, you know, I could see a situation where it's Bucks are up and Mac Jones is feeling the pressure of a, a 10 point deficit for the first time in his career. So that that game is going to be great. Um, I do like the Saints play, though, Mr. Model. I, 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 uh, I think Winston, as shaky as he is and as juicy of a matchup it is uh, on paper, and that's why I'm going with the Pats in the pool, I do think Winston provides an element that they just haven't faced. Zach Wilson's a teenager, and two attack of Iloa, I'm sorry, is not a pro starting quarterback. Wilson, uh, Winston turns the ball over, yes, but the guy threw for 5,000 yards. He is a dynamic thrower of the football in a way that Wilson and two attack of Iloa are not, plain and simple. And I will say this. My, my last thing about this Saints game this week is – if the Patriots can get to the quarterback like the Panthers were able to, Jameis Winston does not, I repeat, does not know how to take a sack. He will throw the ball up in the air like we used to play 500 in the backyard, and someone will be there to fair catch an interception or two. And I will say, I think the Pats pass rush is is, is formidable, but that's going to be the key to me. If the, if the Saints offensive line can play well and protect him, I agree with you. I think he can spread it around. I think they'll, they've got, you know, enough weapons with Kamara and with some of the other guys out there that they'll, they'll be able to stay in that game and, and have a chance. If the offensive line plays like it did last week, I mean, it, it was yard sale every, every down, like Jameis is just throwing the ball in the air. And that, that ultimately will turn into a bloodbath. And like, that team also, like we talked about last week, they haven't been home in what a month, like not to say that that matters, but it's got to matter. Like those guys have been on the road forever. They got whacked last week. I agree with you. They're playing for their season this week, but I just don't see how they put this together with the personnel that they have. All right. Why well, I'm let's, in the pool. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's smart. I actually like that. Uh, the pool is let, locked in at minus two and a half for new England uh, instead of the three that's available right now. So I think that makes sense. Um, let's go into our week three picks. I'm going to start with Kaz's first pick that he shared with us prior to this podcast 
he is taking for his first pick, his regular pick, he is taking Denver minus 11 and a half over those New York football Jets. That is a shit ton of points, but he does not have much respect for those Jets. What is your guys' reaction to uh, his 11 and a half pick with the Broncos? He yeah, talked me into it earlier. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm in. I mean, I'll keep mine short. I think I think it makes sense. Again, I, it is a ton of points, but I, the Jets just going out west, it's not going to be good. The only thing uh, that Kaz did bring up was um, the Jets quarterback has experience playing at elevation. Now, whether or not the rest of the Jets do is yet to be seen, but I do think that they cover that all of them now. Uh, I do think this is a rare potential coaching mismatch, uh, and I can't believe that this is actually happening with Vic Fangio because he was, I think, the odds favorite in May to be first coach fired. But I think there's a chance here, and we can keep highlighting this on uh, Double Down Trend throughout the season, but Salah might be in over his head, uh, and people just aren't really talking about it. And I think this, if, if the Broncos can cover this game, I think that's an indicator that Salah might be a bottom five coach. Um, because as bad as the Jets are talent-wise and as bad of a spot as this is in elevation and the Broncos being home for the first time of the year, it's 11.5 points, as you just mentioned, Mr. Model. That's a lot of points. If you can't cover that uh, in the pro football after being embarrassed at home last week, you've got an issue. Um, with that said, I'm not going to go against Vic Vangio going against a rookie quarterback, because as I've been talking to you guys all week, it's like Belichick is up here, and then there's a tier below Belichick, and it's Vic Vangio versus a rookie quarterback. And it, quite frankly is just as good, just as scary, and Wilson is just as likely to turn the ball over a crap ton of times to the Broncos. Uh, they're not going to move the ball much. Maybe they get to nine points. You're asking Denver to get to 21. I think they can. 21-9 seems feasible. I don't love it. Uh, it the look-ahead line in the offseason was actually five and a half, so this has really grown wow. up. Uh, so it's shot up to an unhealthy point. Um, I would never put my own money on it, but I would, I'll take Denver in the pool because they're my own team. And I do think that they can get to that 21. And I just, I don't know if the, I trust the Jets to get to 10. Yeah, that, I have no interest in touching this with the 10 foot pole. Um, all right, Coulter, I'm going to go to you for your first pick. What do you have for week three? Yeah, I'm going to go, you know, I looked at the board for a while and I, and I kind of repeated my logic from last week with my first pick and it's going to be lions plus eight and a half. Uh, and it's it, my strategy. I don't know if you guys remember, it's looking at all 32 sides and ranking them. And this is the one of the 32 that I think r- ranks just dead last. Uh, they are really trending poorly in public perception as they didn't cover on Monday night football. Uh, so you get a team that won big on national TV versus a team that lost. Uh, and did not cover in the exact same spot without playing um, the aforementioned previous team. So this spot alone creates value, I think, from that. Um, and then in that, uh, there's one team in the league that has played both games down to the wire, and that's Baltimore. So uh, you get an even better side in Detroit because you feel like Baltimore has maxed out effort in, in their first two games. Um, and it's just an overinflated line. So I think that's that's kind of a benefit to us as well. But my favorite kind of line is the kind of line where you get a team who's tired uh, at, pl- at minus eight and a half on the road. Um, conversely, if you're taking Baltimore, you're buying them two points higher than they were last week. So this actually went through the key number. It was six and a half. 
then they beat Kansas City and shot up two points. And actually, it's continuing to shoot up. So public is on this Baltimore side, I think. Uh, Detroit's getting healthier. Tyrell Williams should be back. Taylor Decker, the left tackle, should be back as well. I know there's been a lot of uh, uh, stuff been made about their secondary getting weak. Uh, weaker and more hurt but you know what uh, Lamar Jackson isn't exactly Patrick Mahomes I think adding two professional veteran guys is going to help Detroit um, obviously the Lions secondary is a major weakness everyone was watching it on Monday Night Football um, but if you actually look at the box score and you were watching the game close they held Green Bay second and third receivers uh, uh, Lazard and Valdez Scantling without a catch and Rodgers had to go back to security blanket uh, um, Randall Cobb and his tight end Tunyon um, which I'm sure he prefers, but it's notable that this group of ragtag corners, um, you know, held that group uh, without a catch. And also um, it was without their two top defensive backs. So, and it was on the road in a really bad spot So, and in the rain as well. So I just think everything was going against them and they still were able to contain a couple of the Packers receivers. I know that's a bit of a deep riff, um, but that's to say, I think we have a good side here and one that's a bit of a hidden on this slate. Lions won't go down without a fight. Amazingly, they're actually 0-2 against the spread in our pool. I know uh, they backdoored some folks in week one, but I expect that to change. They're going to get their first against the spread win this week against Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree um, in general with, with that take. I, I had initially had Baltimore. Um, I think you might have convinced me to, to sh- switch to Detroit. This is not one of the games that uh, I was very high on just based on the fact that I think we've seen like four different versions of both of these teams through two weeks. So it's like, I don't really know which version is going to come out. I like what you're saying about the Lions getting some people back. I really do think that they play hard um, and being at home, I think is actually the thing that like to me helps me get under this eight and a half. Um, Cause I could definitely see them, you know, th- it seems like a prideful team. It seems like a team that plays hard again for, for themselves, for their coach, for what they're trying to build there. So I like it. I like that pick. All right, Hughes, let's go to your first pick for week three. Who you got? Yeah. Yeah. So again, I've, I've, uh, I've been tossing the, the square word around a decent amount, but um, I'm just going to keep betting against the Indianapolis Colts. It's probably a mistake. Um, I don't know why I'm going to keep doing it, but I'm taking the Titans uh, minus five and a half. I just think that like the Titans woke up a little bit. I think it's the game's in Tennessee. I think Indy's a dead dog. I, again, I, I just, the, their quarterback took himself out. I don't know how hurt he is. And again, I'm, I'm, I do live in Philly. So obviously I've been negatively impacted in terms of my perception of Carson Wentz, but at the same time, like he could walk on the sideline. He, they showed him like moving around. I watched Philip Rivers play with a torn ACL. I watched Byron left, which get carried down the field by his offensive lineman. If you want to lead a team to a championship, you can't put Eason in that position. He threw a pick on the first pass. Like that just killed them. They had a chance to win that game. He took himself out. I thought um, I'm not a Carson Wentz guy. I think that team stinks. I think Frank Reich is just got to absolutely be kicking himself that he got stuck with this loser. That is Carson Wentz again, harsh take on Carson. Um, but at the same time, just not, not in any way, the guy that I would want leading my team. So I'm taking the Titans. And I also think King Henry uh, is back. Culture, what do you got? I was going to say, I don't think Hughes is even harsh enough there. I agree with the loser take on Wentz. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, you know, taking yourself out of the game. He's got to be losing people in that locker room. And you talk about putting your coach in a bad spot. Um, 
you know, I think Reich is a good coach, and I think they actually have that advantage. So that's why I'm 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 leaning very slightly towards the Colts because I remember being on the Titan side of, on a Thursday night game uh, in the same the same exact matchup last year, and I'm having like uh, PTSD. So I, I'm on the Colts, but I would never cross fire in a million years because I uh, I'm actually leaning more and more closer to Tennessee as this week goes along because I see that Indianapolis is considering start, and this goes to your original point about what a coward. Uh, Wentz is, is the situation is so bad that they're going away from Eason and they're going to start Brent Hudley, the guy that started in place of Rodgers in 2017. This guy stinks. I can't believe this is the guy that they're going to turn to. And I can't believe Eason can't beat this guy out in a one week competition. That's alarming. If you're a Colts fan, your quarterback situation is effed beyond words. If Brett Hudley is beating out Eason in a one week competition and Wentz is pulling himself out of games. Uh, to, to kind of put a capper on Hughes's point, this could be a bottom four team and we could be jumping in on a dead dog early. This could be a team that's picking in the top five next year. Huntley, if he's the quarterback or Huntley, I should say not Huntley. If he is the quarterback uh, and Wentz is out for a chunk of time and Easton is not, and I know Easton's not great either. You know, as you just pointed out, this, this could spiral out of control. They don't have a good offense to begin with. Uh, their defense already has injuries. This could get really bad really quickly. So I, I like Tennessee money line for sure. And the more we talk through it, I'm probably going to switch on to Tennessee. It's just the coaching uh, disadvantage that Tennessee has. And also, quite frankly, uh, you know, if we were doing the coward rankings, I think the coward power rankings, which could be a fun dynamic. Wentz is number one this week, but let's not shit ourselves here, kid ourselves. Tennessee's defense is in the top five of cowardly after that that week one performance at home against Arizona. So there's part of me that really just doesn't trust that unit, even going yeah. against Brent Hundley, because talk about a lame performance and a cowardly uh, way to start the season. Tennessee D just showed no life uh, in week one at home. And is it a th- this is something I need to know. Is it official that Carson Wentz is definitely not going to play and not going to start? No, it seems like nope. it's it, it, yeah, it could go both ways, and then okay. so I think that creates a value situation because I was listening to uh, somebody talk about this line. They said with Wentz that they factored it to be two and a half or three, not five and a half. So we do get potentially a pass through a key number if Wentz is in. It goes from five and a half to two and a half, which I think is an overreaction because I don't think he's that valuable. But then again, if you're looking at Brett Hundley, <laughs> maybe the three points is accurate. So. Uh, it, this this line is tough to tell with the one situation. Yeah, I mean, it, they both have a common opponent too, which is always tough when you're picking these games this early. Um, you've got the Colts who lost to Seattle by 12 at home, and then you've got the Titans who beat Seattle on the road in OT. So, like, again, if you look at it, you're like, oh, okay, then they should win. I mean, just you know, by the the uh, the. The association. So I don't know. I mean, I hate that that never works out. So now I'm kind of disappointed in this uh, this pick. But no, I do like it though. All right, we'll see where those Tennessee Titans go. I did like them uh, performing and picking it up last week, so we'll see if they can keep that going. All right, I'm going to go to my first pick for week three. I am just going to keep it keep it simple. Sometimes I am going to you know jump all over the the Jacksonville Jaguar firestorm dumpster fire. And I'm going to take the opposite side. I'm going to take the Arizona Cardinals minus seven and a half. It's a shit ton of points, but this is a dumpster fire that is just not going to go away anytime soon. 
I think their defense has been on the field way too long in the first two weeks. I think they're going to come in fatigued against an incredibly explosive Arizona Cardinal offense. I would like to think that the Arizona Cardinal defense is going to pull it together a little bit better than what they showed last week against Minnesota, giving up 30-plus points. Now, Minnesota is significantly better than what they're going to be facing in Jacksonville, so I would expect to see a much better performance there. I think Arizona covers this 7.5 and and comes out with an easy win. What's your guys' reaction? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I'm all in Arizona. Um, I think that they – Again, I, I just think they're a better team. I think that they showed like that survival game last week, I think was a big step for them. I feel like that's a game that I thought that they would lose like them, them finding a way to win that game. It was at home. Um, but again, it was against a somewhat desperate Vikings team, uh, not a great Vikings team like we talked about, but I think them finding a way to survive always is one of those things for, with me, with good teams. It's like, okay, like I can trust them a little bit more and especially against a bad team. Now, they are going to Jacksonville. I don't think that's going to have a huge impact, but um, especially because the game's at 4.05. But at the same time, I think it's at 4.05. No, it's a 1 o'clock. Sorry, 1 o'clock. Um, so that is a little bit maybe of a factor. Obviously, they got a little bit of a time zone shift there. But um, I do I do totally agree with you. I think Jacksonville is the deadest of dead dogs. And I loved the Urban Meyer quote that came out of Vic Fangio this week, <laughs> that every team is Alabama, because that's the beauty of what he's up against is that he never even fucking had to play Alabama. Like, let's be honest here, people. He played fucking nobody. I mean, I don't want to get upset about this. Urban Meyer is a fucking friend. Go for it, Hughes. He can recruit. (laughs) Sorry, I know there's kids that probably listen to the show. My own kids are upstairs. They can probably hear me. Just the the, the passion in my voice. No, but I'm being honest with you guys. He could recruit better than maybe any human being on the planet Earth. I think he was able to create dynastic teams in college that, like, maybe didn't exist other than the fact that they had just incredible players. They didn't have great scheme. He didn't just, he just had great guys. And that's part of what college football is all about. You can just out talent everybody. If you can walk into a room and convince a kid to come to your school, that's the key. You can't do that in the NFL. What living rooms he walking into getting somebody to come sign with him. None of them. It's all about the money and it's all about getting guys ready to play on Sunday. I don't think he can do it. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be really good, but I think Urban Meyer is an absolute fraud. Shots fired. Yeah. At the end of the year, we'll have to come back and replay that uh, Urban Meyer take and see if you are spot on or see if you have some apologies to make. Oh, no, I've got got a better idea. I think by the end of the year, uh, Mr. Mata will have enough anti-Urban Meyer audio from our 18 (laughs) weeks of podcasting that we'll be able to do cuts. And we'll just do an all-anti-Urban pod with all of our anti-Urban spews throughout the season. Did anybody see his daughter take to, like – TikTok or somewhere trying to be like, oh, Barstool was making fun of my dad. And like, we were so sad about it. And then like, you know, we just figured like, whatever, it's kind of like cool that they're like talking about our dad. I was like, I hate everything about this. This team, <laughs> like this guy's coaching the NFL. Like this is a joke. Like the whole thing I think is a joke. I think it's a little bit of a parlor trick by the, by the Jags. I think they want to go to London. I think Coulter mentioned that earlier. I think this is a, I think this is more of a strategic play that they're going to stink He's going to ride off into the sunset and then they'll just move to London and hire some other stupid coach. <laughs> I couldn't agree more with you. have wrapped up my sediments completely. And as for the pick, it's a lot of points. I hate taking Cliff Kingsbury minus seven and a half on the road. Uh, one a uh, one o'clock start, but conversely, I'm not going to take her Meyer. So there, that's where I land on it. Uh, I, I think he's the worst coach in football. 
Um, and I, I do think, I thank him for taking the job because I got in on the under six and a half minus 160 for 160 bucks, uh, right before the start of the season, literally 30 minutes before kickoff. So thank him for that. And, uh, so my wife gets a free Christmas gift because the Jaguars are not going to sail over that six and a half number. Uh, well, this segues nicely. Casale's key pick is also Arizona minus seven and a half against Jacksonville Jaguars. He is also in line with my thinking around Arizona there. Uh, we will be rooting hard for those red birds this weekend. Let's go Arizona. All right, Coulter, let's go to you for your first key pick for this week three slate. What do you got? Yeah, I was going to say, we'll, st- we'll, we'll stay on brand for DDT sake. And, uh, you know, if we're going to fade Urban Meyer, we'd be remiss if we're not going to talk about fading Matt Nagy. So best bet number two, we're going to take the Cleveland Browns minus the seven and a half. Um, fading Matt Nagy, fading the Chicago roster. Um, Cincy, I think this is worth noting, was really lost in all phases of that game on the road last week and still managed somehow to come back and pull within three. Uh, they were discombobulated, and the fact that they were able to lose that game 2017 shows that Chicago has a lot of issues. Not to mention Chicago did score on a pick six, too, which overinflates the final number. Um, I think that's a good measuring spot for us. Um, we get a, a, we get Fields, a rookie quarterback, as you mentioned earlier, Mr. Model, uh, on the road. He was unable to do much against a much worse Cincinnati defense at home last week. If he's put in a position where he has to come back, we've talked about this with Lamar Jackson in the past. Will he help cover the spread or will he give more points to the Browns? I think we all know the answer to that situation or that question in this situation. Um, Chubb and Hunt are going to eat against this Bears defense. The Bears just don't have it on D. Uh, People may see 17 against the Bengals and think that was a great defensive effort. It really wasn't. Um, that, That puts a lot of the onus on Matt Nagy in this offense. And I don't think they're up for the task. Let's not forget uh, a week ago, it uh, it was very uh, much apparent that it was the Bears defense that was uh, carrying this team to victory with a pick six. So it's not going to happen again. Defense is not going to carry this team to victory over the Browns. Um, this one has a, a hook similar to last week when I took the plunge against Hughes on that Niners bet. But that doesn't scare me when I have the better roster and the better coach. The Browns are at home as well, which is favorable. And for the first time all season, they're playing a team that has more pressure on itself than Cleveland does. I think that means we're getting a looser team as Chicago now is suddenly a team at crossroads. That unknown at quarterback has me attracted to the other side and will gladly take the Browns as it's an opportunity to fade Nagy, as I mentioned previously, um, which I've actually yet to do here on the pod this season. I've won three and one of my picks and, and have yet to fade the Bears. So let's make this my spot. Um, and side note, sneakily, I do get a team that covered amazingly in Chicago against a team that amazingly did not in the Browns. So I always like that. Uh, you get the betters who are back in the Bears for the second week in a row. Um, and then you get the people fading the Browns uh, for not covering against the Texans. Yeah, I love it. Love, I love the pick. Um, a lot of agreement on this show, so people are probably not going not gonna, to not gonna be as excited to listen. But no, I do think um, the Bears just like they don't. Yeah, I don't think they know what they want to do. I think Nagy had a great quote about um, uh, uh, the quarterback being a chess piece. And I saw some, you know, some of the, the Barstool Chicago guys being like, how about you just let him be a quarterback? You know, like maybe let's just let this guy play quarterback fields and not just try and make make him some type of like trick. And I think that that is ultimately 
you know, the, the issue with Nagy is like, he doesn't know how to just coach football. Like it's weird. It's like, he, he has to have some gimmick and some weird shit that he's trying to do. And again, I think he gets overmatched and I think ultimately um, I think his teams play hard, but I just, yeah, I think they're, I think in this game, especially Cleveland has looked really good. Um, and so, yeah, I'm all over the Browns and the point it is a decent amount of points again, but I'm on it. Yeah. And you, you have my agreement here. I'm, I'm also liking the Cleveland Browns side. I think if I had to bet this game, I'm actually more interested in the uh, total. The total is currently sitting at right around 45 and a half. And I think this is going to be a pretty slow plotting game. There's going to be some decent amount of wind in the Cleveland area on Sunday. And even though this total opened at 47 and has dropped a point and a half, if you wanted me to bet one way or another, I think I would still take the under 45 and a half or something uh, around there if I could find something better. So, Yeah, I like it. I, I love you know, the windier it gets there, I think the more people back the big dog, because if you look at the history of, of the wind coming off the lake there, it does create for low scoring games. And uh, I think the public gets attracted to the dog in that situation. So if it's a, it's a number that's going from 47 to 45 to 43, you're going to see more and more bets on that seven and a half, which makes me want Cleveland even more. Cause I just, again, I don't think the bears are going to score many points in this game. And I could see Fields throwing a very costly turnover in the second half where the Browns put themselves in a position where they double the spread almost and win by 14. I think the other thing that will be interesting to watch in that game is how much rushing yards does Fields get? Is he going to be something that's actually going to be mobile and they're going to get him moving around? And, you know, I think there's some player props out there with him around over under 40 rushing yards. That to me will also be fascinating as a rookie in his first start seeing how he does there and how he performs. Yep. Hughes, what is your key pick? I don't know. I mean, we may have a quick crossfire here. I don't know what your key pick is, but I'm riding <laughs> New England Patriots, minus two and a half at home. I think this number has gone up. I think two and a half, if you can get it there, if you want to get it there, get under the, the field goal. Um, I, I just think, you know, we were talking earlier about Jameis Winston. I was actually looking this up while, while we were talking and, um, Jameis Winston on the season has uh, 259 passing yards, five touchdowns somehow with 259 passing yards. I don't know how that's even possible. That being said, Mac Jones has 470 passing yards on the season, only one touchdown, zero interceptions. I think that's going to be the key to the game. I think the Patriots can take care of the ball. I think they should be 2-0. and Ultimately, they turned the ball over within infield range week one and lost that game to Miami. Um, but again, I think this, this team, it, it has an identity. And I think that I don't know if the Saints do. I think the Saints are trying to figure it out. I think they think they want to do a lot of different stuff. Again, they maybe we cut, maybe we see way more Taysom Hill in this game, and they just try and pound the ball. I don't really know. Um, they've been good against the run. The Pats are obviously going to want to run the ball, so that might be this might be a little bit of a punt fest early. Um, I think the under in this game is probably the play. Um, but at the same time, I really love the Pats minus two and a half. I think you know again, there's just an energy. The look ahead factor is is definitely big, um, along with the Saints, you know, hungry dog runs faster type mentality um, because they need to get a win. But uh, I think the Pats need to get a win, too. I think they realize, you know, there's an opportunity here. And I think that this game is cl- classic setup for them uh, to come out and just typical, you know, hit a couple field goals, you know, win this game 20 to 13, walk it up. Coulter, what do you got? Yeah, I- 
I'm not going to crossfire because I'm on New England. I think the under the three is is the key for me in this game. If you get it at three, I, I like it a lot less from the New England side because it was a pick em, actually. Look, look ahead uh, before they went to Cam, uh, away from Cam Newton. So in the offseason, this game was a pick em, So to get it at three seems a little bit of an overreaction. That means that you're saying that Jones has improved the team by three points, which he's played well. I don't know if I'm, I'm going that far from, from late August to now, if, if they're a three point better team, but at two and a half, I do like it. Uh, you get Belichick at home against Winston. Um, you know, they're also trying to keep pace with Buffalo in a very competitive division. So that's in the back of their head. Um, and also something that we haven't really seen yet from the Patriots offense is, you know, if Jones is as accurate and as dynamic as he is, I think their passing offense is actually just going to keep getting better and better throughout uh, time. And as I think Hughes mentioned it earlier, they didn't really have to do much to beat the Jets last week. So it was kind of a vanilla game plan. If that passing offense adds a different, another layer, then they're easily going to cover this number because we know they can run the football, football on offense. Um, I guess that's where I'm a little hesitant is like, can Mac Jones really go for the 300 yard game and, and put the knife in, in the saints. Uh, and again, in the pool, I'm going with new England, but I wouldn't put my money on them at minus three. I, I think it's a little too steep at that point. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is here and I'll, I'll go ahead and say crossfire. Um, we gotta I, get one. We gotta get one. There we go. Got, gotta have it. So, you know, I don't love the two and a half. Um, I'd either rather take them. We talked about this uh, offline, um, either on the money line or at plus three. Um, but it doesn't matter. I, I, I like New Orleans in this spot. I think my biggest thing in this game is I'm looking for two things. So one, reversion to the mean with Mac Jones. I think he has had two phenomenal starts as a rookie quarterback, and I just can't see that continuing. It has to end at some point. I sure hope it's this week. And number two, I think uh, Sean Payton is one of the best coaches in the NFL. I think he really did a disservice to his offense last week. I don't think they could get anything going. And he said mea culpa as he got interviewed. I'd like to think that it's going to be a better performance this weekend where he can get Winston and company uh, up and running much better than they have. So I am going to be hopeful. I will take Hughes up on this, and I'll be rooting hard for those New Orleans Saints. Let's do it. I'm excited. I'm excited. All right. I think I am the last one. So for my key pick this week, I am going to go and be that guy. I'm going to take Tampa Bay minus 0.5 against those Los Angeles Rams. Um, now, I think there's a couple of things interesting here. One of the reasons I'm doing this is that this line has already shifted from when it locked in in the pool to where it currently stands. Right now, it is Tampa Bay. I'm seeing a favorite of one or even favorite of one and a half. So I like that the um, the smart money, as you will, has kind of pushed that line. Um, even from Tampa Bay was opened, I think, as an underdog to Tampa Bay now as a, a, a favorite. Uh, I would also like to think that um, the Rams have played easy opponents in these first two weeks, and they are coming in kind of inflated in terms of expectations and what people think about them. I think Tampa Bay, um, while they have played the Falcons recently, I think they are still a quality team, and they will show up and uh, play these Rams, especially their defense, much better than any competition they've seen so far. As much as I would like to uh, you know, see Tom Brady continue to to – run the league the next five years. I just don't think that's happening, but I think it's not going to change anytime soon. I think he continues to play well, even as a 44-year-old man in this game, and I will be rooting for that. Give me Tampa Bay minus half a point. 
I'm going to crossfire. Um, I, I, I'm on the Rams. Uh, and, and here's my logic on the Rams. I just think this is their Super Bowl. And as we, as Coulter talked about earlier, if the, if the Bucks are playing their Super Bowl next week, I can't imagine that they're going to be ready to play two Super Bowls in a row, especially having to go from Tampa all the way out to L.A. Um, and I do think I, I've, I've liked what I've seen. So, again, like I said about Matt Stafford, I'm not thrilled if, the, if we get another line that's, you know, requires him to cover more than a field goal. But I'll take this one. Um, so I'll crossfire you on this, see if we can get a little uh, either two for one or uh, split split pot here. All right. Colter? I'll jump in. I'll jump in on the crossfire as well. Um I think we're getting Tampa slightly inflated. They had those pick sixes against Atlanta, but it's key to remember that Atlanta was actually competing in that game uh, on the road. Uh, Tampa had 10 days rest, so they were definitely in the premium spot. And yes, I know they covered the number, but for three quarters, Atlanta, a team that lost by 26 points at home to Philadelphia the previous week, were competing with the defending world uh, champion. So I think that's an important thing. And, you know, one thing we didn't mention in that absurd um, – back to our absurd Indianapolis cover last week is, um, you know, they could have won that game Indianapolis. They went up and down the field, as I mentioned, but they turned the ball over twice inside the 20 yard line. And now you could say that that's a negative against the Rams defense, but actually I was watching that game and it, it, it dawned on me that as bad as Wentz is and as unclutch as he is, the Rams defense is they know how to make plays when it matters when their backs are against the wall. They force true turnovers. And quite frankly, as a fan watching, I didn't I wasn't like ultrally shocked that uh, Indianapolis screwed it up and that uh, the Rams won in that situation. And quite frankly, as good as Tom Brady and the Bucks are on Sunday, if you run into a situation where the Bucks are inside the 20 and all of a sudden it's a fumble or something and, and the Rams recover, I'm not going to be shocked either because it's a Rams defense that knows how to to come up in a, in crucial moments with a big play. So I'll do a little crossfire. We, I, you know, I haven't got one in this week. I, we've had two the last uh, two weeks. So I want one for week three and this one's an easy one. I, I'll stay on Tampa on the pool and, and take 10 bucks on the Rams. So that way I win either way. So that's a nice little emotional hedge for me. And we get a little action. Done and done. I'll accept both of those wholeheartedly. I think those are going to be easy winners. Do it. That's a great uh, game. You don't, you don't get a power ranking one and four, you know, in week three very often. Uh, so, I mean, this is a two really good teams. You talk about blue chippers, you get, you know, Ramsey and, and Donald, and then you get, you know, Brady and all the guys that the Bucks have. We've gone over their linebackers with White, and, uh, you know, Vita Vey and, and some of their other guys on defense. So uh, this game has a lot of top end talent, so it should be a good one. It'll be fun to watch for sure. All right. Anything else before we sign off? for our week three starts. No, I'm good. Can't wait. Hopefully the Broncos are 3-0 next week when we start this. That'll be, uh, it has been a while since we've had the, this kind of a start. I know the opponents have been weak. But yeah. I'm, I'm yeah given their competition. Yeah, yeah, given the competition. If we could beat the Jets, which I think we will, 3-0 is 3-0. can only beat who's on the schedule. Yeah, same. I'm um, excited. Sweating. I mean, nothing like sweating one out on Thursday night right now. Carolina's covering. Um, I've got them in the pool, uh, so we'll see if they can uh, they can hang on. But um, but no, I mean, it should be a good week. I think. Again, did Vegas sharpen their pencil a little bit more? And are we going to be in a situation where you know we see more favorites kind of come out on top, given the fact that everybody's fallen in love and I'm sure is pounding a lot of these dogs. Um, so I'm I'm I can't wait. 
We shall see. We'll loop back with you guys next week on Double Down Trent.